don't know what we've done wrong to have me up here two weeks in a row. That's sorry for you. <laughs> um, but for those of us that have been following through the, the book of James, just to explain, in case you have been reading the book with us, you're going to notice this morning we have, we're going to skip a passage. So last, well, not a passage, a portion of scripture. Last week, we ended off at the end of chapter four. And um, I was only scheduled to preach this message next week, but then to give Tim uh, some extra time to recover, we've bumped it a little bit forward, and then we'll do a catch-up on the portion that we've missed. We'll do a catch-up in the new year. Um, But this is now the penultimate installment of the series of James that we've been working through. And I say it every time I'm up here, James is a book that is written by the half-brother of Jesus, who knew Jesus, I mean, in more than just a a teaching role. And... um, it's all about spiritual maturity and growth and how we can bring about that, um, that development in our lives. And the book of James was never meant when he wrote the letter, he didn't write it in chapters. He didn't like break it up himself. He was running with a common theme. And so what I'm going to do, instead of starting with the portion of scripture we should start with, I'm going to go back to the beginning of James. So if you've got your books, I'd like you to please, your books, if you've got your books with you, you can tell I'm a teacher, open your textbooks to... James chapter 1, 2 to 4, and he says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And I believe very strongly that, you know, you know how when you write a letter to someone, you have your opening statement, and this is the opening statement of James, and then you go through your letter or whatever you are writing, your report, your doctrine, whatever, and you are making all the arguments or all of the, the sort of backup motivations for it, and then he rounds off and circles back to this topic. And so I would dare to say this morning that if we are going to look at true spiritual maturity, this is probably one of the most important and key features that we need to establish in our lives, and that is the value of having patience. Because James says, he starts off his letter, and he says in chapter one, he says, with patience comes that perfect work, that completion, that perfection. And then in chapter five, verse seven, he says this, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You all be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then down to verse 11, he says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure, who have heard of the perseverance of, you have heard of the perseverance of Job, and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so this morning, we won't be long because I know it's hot and I'm feeling just as hot and bothered and the mic's sticking in my face the wrong way and whatnot, but I'll attempt to be brief and hopefully leave us with something that we can remember and be challenged by. And we're going to speak about what it is to be planted in patience this morning. Um, if you go on to easy, easy, who isn't patient on a hot and humid day? I mean, it's the, it's the best time to put it into practice. And the definition of patience, according to Google, is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. So we often go, patience is a virtue, and we think patience is something you either have or you don't. You know, some personalities are more inclined to the being patient. Others are slightly more, slightly more inclined to be 
impatient and whatever the opposite of it is. Um, But in truth, patience is a spiritual discipline. It's an instruction from Scripture that we are all called to have and to apply to our lives. And so when we think of patience, we often think of it as sitting in a line waiting. I mean, if you go have patience, you mean like, okay, pass the time, abide the time, just get through it because, you know, I've got to, I've got to get, I've, I mean, who doesn't have patience at home affairs or the traffic department or Black Friday queues? Did anybody brave those? I, I was nowhere near the shops if I could help it. But we think patience is just like, oh, it's a good thing to have. It's not. It's a spiritual discipline that we are called to implement in our own lives. I mean, even in Galatians, Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. And Christine this morning brought it up in the, in the prayer meeting about the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit that we are called to have is patience. And very often, if you read different translations of Scripture, the word patience can be um, uh, switched around. Or another translation of it is the word long-suffering or forbearance. And even when we read that portion of James, if we can put that up there again, James chapter 5, verse 7, um, where we speak about be patient, be patient, be patient, and then down to verse 11, he says, you know, those that endured and the perseverance and patience of Job, he's actually using two different Greek words that we both translate, we translate both of them to patience, but in actual fact, they've got slightly different meanings. And the first word for patience is the Greek word makrothmio which, of course, I've pronounced 100% correctly because I can speak every language in the world, except for Greek. It's an old joke. And then you go, okay, say something in Italian. I don't know. It's Greek to me, you know. So macrothmio basically means macro. I mean, think of macro shop. It means big, all right? And thmio means almost anguish or anger or endurance. In other words, macrothmio is like big endurance. It's big patience. And so when he says um, we must have this patience, and he uses the word macrothmio, he's basically saying we must have this long suffering. We must have this sort of, okay, I can do it, this fortitude to keep going, all right? Um, And sometimes we just think patience is the ability to wait quietly. We think patience is the ability to abide the time, to go, okay, something's coming. I've just got to get through this part, and we kind of just sit around and wait for it. And we think we've succeeded if we can wait for something without cracking and losing our cool altogether. I'm a teacher, so we are taught you have to have a lot of patience when you teach because you're going to get, you've got 30 different personalities in the class, and they're all going to ask you a question based on exactly the instruction that you've already given. And they're going to ask you the same thing in 20 different ways, and you see there's those days where I feel like I've taught a lesson, like, yay, I've given an instruction. And then I get 30 questions that are basically just all asking the same thing about that instruction. And you go, dig deep, have patience, don't lose my cool. And then there's days I go, yes, I was really patient today because I didn't lose my temper. Patience is not that. Patience in a spiritual sense is not just keeping your cool and not cracking even when you really want to. There's a sort of endurance that we are called to. It's not just biting the bullet, so to speak. Patience is understanding that there's something bigger at play. Patience is understanding that there's a much bigger picture and we are only seeing part of it now and we're only enduring part of it now, but there's something bigger and better coming. And the other word for patience that James uses is, oh gosh, I can't even say this, hypnonia. Okay, I'm probably saying that completely wrong. But that means 
cheerful endurance. It means there's a hopefulness that we have in our waiting because we know there's something bigger, there's something better. We don't necessarily know what the bigger and better is, but we know that there's more because we know who the, who the one is that holds it all in his hands. See, it's not just going, oh, sit back and wait. And we often use the term patience, and we think it's synonymous with the word waiting. You know, like, just have patience, just wait. And that is true to a degree, but perhaps what we should be doing is revising what our definition of the word waiting actually is. We think it means to wait. If you go to home affairs, I had to wait in the queue. If I went to the traffic department, I had to wait in the queue. I did this order on take a lot. I, had to, I did this order at checkers. I had to wait 60 minutes for it to come. You know, we, we're like, wait, wait, wait just means abide the time. And very often, we apply that to our own spiritual lives. We're kind of like, well, I'm waiting on God means I'm just, I'm just going to bear down and wait for whatever this, this is to pass because tomorrow is a new day. Waiting is not a passive verb. It's an active verb. It's one that actually calls for action, not to sit back passively and do nothing. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many of us can apply that verse to our own lives right now? We're in that crazy time of year, and we spoke about that last week, and everything's busy and, and, and sort of pressurizing us and coming down at us, and we're like, we will wait on God because that's where we renew our strength. But what does it mean to wait on God? It's not wait for God. It's wait on God. And it calls to mind sort of images of ladies in waiting, or when you go to a restaurant, you've got waiters. It's an attitude of serving God when we wait on him. In actual fact, the word wait comes from the Hebrew word kavah. And kavah doesn't mean sit around or abide the time. When it says wait on the Lord, the word kavah means bind or twist in. It means to tarry in God's presence while you serve him and to twist into him and to press into him. And so very often the world will tell us having patience means sitting back and relaxing. Where scripture tells us having patience means pressing in and continuing forward. That waiting on God is not a passive action. It's a servanthood that we are called to. We are called to serve him, to twist into him, to bind into him in those moments when we need to be the most patient. Even in waiting, even in patience, our service to God is required. We're not waiting for God. We're waiting on him. James 5, verse 7 to 8 from the message says this. Meanwhile, friends... Wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see, farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow and sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. I don't know if there's any farmers among us. Anyone here ever grew up on a farm or attempted farming? Even if not, we've all attempted to grow something in a pot at one point or another, I assume, or at least to keep something alive. I'm very good. I have lots of sleeping pot plants at home. Um, not a green thumb at all. But we've all attempted, I'm sure, even if it was just when you were at school and you got your sugar beans and you had to do that thing where you put it in the cotton wool and all of that. Are we okay? 
Can I get a nod? Are we with us? Okay, cool. All right. And you all know, we all know that when you put something in the ground to plant it, you're not expecting an overnight miracle. Not unless we're in Jack and the Beanstalk and those beans are just from some magic place. You understand that when you plant something, there's a process that happens in that planting. When a farmer plants his crops, there is a process that happens. Gardeners know that once they, that they can see, here's the flower bed, these are the plants that I want to grow there, but I have to first plant them and put them in, and it's not going to be a miracle overnight, suddenly I've got this flourishing flower bed. There's going to be a process and a patience in waiting for the plants to come up. In fact, the only thing that really does seem to spring up very fast are weeds, correct? Like one day they're not there, the next day your garden's full of them, and we all know what we do with weeds. The plants that, that we value, when we can see the value in it, we're willing to wait for it. And over and over in Scripture, Jesus and the prophets of the Old Testament, they make reference to our lives being like plants, being like trees. It's an analogy that scripture often refers back to, whether it's Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Or in Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, where it says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And I was reading up on fruit trees, and I found this. The first thing I clicked on was, okay, tell me about fruit trees. The first article said this. Fruit trees are a long-term investment. Typically, a tree can take anything from 4 to 20 years before it even starts to produce fruit depending on what species it is and what type of fruit tree it is. But you plant this tree, you have this tree growing, it can take between 4 and 20 years before you even see the harvest of what you had planted in the first place. Yet in that time that the tree is growing, in the time that the farmer has planted the tree, and he's waiting his four years or his five years or his two decades or whatever it takes for that tree to bear fruit, he is still watering the tree, he is still nurturing the tree, he is still fertilizing the tree, he's still caring for the tree. He doesn't plant it and go, oh, there's no fruit, that's a waste, and yank it out. He understands that there's a process. I want to show you a process of just what it is. I mean, it's, it's almost miraculous to watch it in time-lapse. So if you'll be patient We've got about a two, probably not even two-minute clip that I want to show you of what a seed looks like when it germinates and becomes a little sprout. So I'm going to stand to the side so I'm not in anyone's way. That's 171 days of an apple tree sprout or a seedling. It's pretty cool to watch. I'm just a nerd who likes that kind of thing. Like, you know what's amazing? Uh, one of my all-time favorites was they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. What if right now, I mean, imagine how the seed inside an apple felt. It had no idea what was going on. It just knew that there was darkness all around it. And yet in that darkness, it hadn't been buried. It had been planted. What if the darkest moments of your life are not there to bury you? What if they're there to plant you? What if they're there because you are called to patiently endure a little bit of darkness and some weird feelings of stretching and growing because God is doing something far bigger than you and I can see or imagine. 
I have a little apple seed here. I have a bowl of apples here. And like any good cooking show, I prepared this one at home. <laughs> oh, and it's gone a little bit um, brown from the, from the oxygen. But typically, if you cut open an, open an apple, this one hasn't really worked so well. But there's a bit of a star shape inside. And there's typically about five seeds per apple that I can count. I suppose some are more and some are less. But there's typically about five seeds per apple. And yet some farmer somewhere had to go through all of that. And then he had to wait. An apple tree, generally speaking, is fruit. Eight years. And yet in that time, the farmer could not and did not give up on the tree. He watered it. He fertilized it. Because he didn't see the crop there and then, but he understood the value in the tree and in looking after it. Our lives are the same. You might not necessarily see the harvest right now. I love what Psalm says. It says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Even once the tree is mature, there are seasons and there's times of fruitfulness and then there's times of rest and growth and more things happening than we can realize. I mean, that was a time lapse. You don't see the pot plants in your home moving around as fast as that, but they are moving. Growth is movement, no matter how small. And if we move in the right direction and we move towards God, we will grow the way he has intended us to grow. In James, going back to James quickly, he says this, you all be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What is our bigger purpose in life? It's to wait on the coming of our master. It's to call God's kingdom here to earth. It's to go, Lord, everything else that's going on in my life, it's important, but it's not as important as the fact that we have a God who has given us a calling that we should push into. And so establish comes from the word to set fast. It means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. So when we are establishing our hearts and our patience, we are basically saying, you know what, I don't see the fruit right now, but I'm going to work on the soil and I'm going to work on the tree and I'm going to understand that so long as I nurture the tree, so long as I keep giving it the nutrients it needs, so long as I have the living water that I'm called to have, so long as my branches are stretched towards the light, my tree is growing and there will be a fruit. There will be a time of harvest. And the amazing thing is that often when that harvest comes, it's like an explosion of growth. I was reading up on the apple trees, and it said an apple tree can produce up to 500 apples per season. So you've got these trees that are sort of mature enough to produce, to so call them eight-year-old trees. They can produce in a good season up to 500 apples. And they can do that for a lifespan of between 15 to 20 years. So once they start producing fruit, they have seasons of fruitfulness. And once they do that, and let's just say we'll go with the minimum. Let's say we've got our mature apple tree. It is, um, it's producing 500 apples in a season. Let's just say there's one season a year. And that tree's production season lasts for 15 years. I feel like I'm doing a math sum with my class right now. Have you all written this down? Okay, no calculators. But... Just that tree alone, in its life, 500 apples, 15 years, gives 7,500 apples. Every apple is five seeds. Do what you want with the fruit. Make your apple pie, eat your apple, keep the doctor away, whatever you use your apples for. 
But those five seeds inside it are each a new apple tree. You can look at this bowl of apples and you can go, there's 15 apples in the bowl. There are. Or you can say there's 75 apple trees in the bowl. You see, we're allowed to enjoy the fruit and there's still seed that we are called to plant and to grow and to nurture. And that's the grace of God. The fact that you can still enjoy the fruit and get the apple trees out of it too. Our lives need to be much like those farmers. There's those periods where we are called to be patient and to plant. And then there's those seasons of growth. And when the growth comes, it's going to come exponentially. And we need to be ready for it. We need to be ready to take from that growth and to plant and reproduce and keep the production going. If we did that with that apple, so we got one single apple, we got five, five seeds. From a tree, let's say that's the, the one tree from here makes 7,500 apples. If each of them reproduce that, you've suddenly got like the next season of whatever, 37,500 apples. You exponentially grow that. You've got over 270 million apple trees that all started with a bit of patience and a single apple seed. Our lives are like that. Your life is like a tree. Maybe you're still in the seed section. Maybe things feel a little bit dark right now. Maybe you're kind of going, I don't know what's going on, Lord, but I feel like it's the end. Maybe you haven't been buried. Maybe you've been planted. Maybe you're used to the production and the the fruitfulness, and all of a sudden it's dried up a little bit. Like, what's going on now, Lord? Keep nurturing the tree. Have that patience. Twist into God. Wait on Him. That's the amazing thing. The apple tree doesn't make itself grow. It allows the farmer to grow it. We don't have to make ourselves grow. The effort is not ours. It's just about aligning ourselves and putting ourselves in the right growth conditions, twisting into God, waiting on him. We need to forever be preparing the soil. We need to be nourishing the tree. We need to have an understanding that in our lives, there's a much bigger picture. There's something of much greater value. And that is where our patience comes from, that even when we can't see it, God is working. Even when we don't feel it, there's that song, I feel like I'm quoting lyrics right now, I think I am. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. And there will come those times where we go, Lord, I've got nothing else to show for it other than the trust I put in you. And then there will be times where he goes, it's time to harvest, it's time to grow. And in those moments, we don't go, oh, yay, I got my apples, I'm done. We go, look at what God has given us that we can plant and we can reproduce for the kingdom of God. I'm going to end off, but I'd like to share a song with you that has really spoken to me. And uh, it's going to be on the screen with the lyrics, and you're welcome to sing with if you'd like. In fact, I'm going to ask that we stand while it's on, and you can just have a bit of praise and worship time. And it's the most amazing thing about... um, what it is to have patience and to twist into God and to to trust in God when all else feels like it's failing. Because we will hit those seasons where we're not fruitful. We will have those times where patience does not come easy. It becomes a discipline. Can we stand together? You might know it, you might not. I hope you enjoy it all the same. And stay standing. God's word said he will never leave you nor forsake you. you, Scripture tells us that he holds us in the palm of his hand. So why is it that we sometimes try to run away from him?
Sometimes when the going gets tough, the tough disappear. There's those periods in our life where we are going to need to press into God, more so than other times. But in the darkest moments is when we need to have the most resilience. It's when we need to press in the hardest to him. And it's where we need to establish our hearts ready for fruit and growth and productiveness. And I know some of us, like the song was saying, you kind of feel like I've got nothing more to give. Maybe that's when we've been planted. Maybe those are our moments of the most growth, and we just don't always see it. Tim, I'm going to ask if you'll pray for us. Is that okay? If we have nothing but God, we've got all we need. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've started a work in us, that you will bring that work to completion. I thank you, Lord, that even though sometimes it is so dark and we are so tired and we feel like giving up, I thank you that you never give up on us. You are faithful. You are strong. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that all of us will produce a fruit which represents you. The fruit of your Holy Spirit being planted in the Lord, producing a a fruit that reflects who you are. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will be patient, not just in cues, but in the way that we live our lives. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that over everyone in this room, there are big dreams. There is great potential, not just to produce fruit, but to produce fruit trees. Be glorified in our lives, in our waiting, in our long-suffering. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we patient, as we wait, you will be working and that you will be revealed. If there's anyone in the room, Lord, that feels absolutely crushed by the weight of waiting at the moment, trusting you for so long for something and they're not seeing a result, I thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning their faith will rise. They may be buried. They may feel like they're underground, Lord Jesus, but I thank you that life is happening and fruitfulness will come in Jesus' name. Be glorified. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.